Michelle, welcome to the show. Hello? Yeah, I say welcome. I just realized I was on mute, so I have to go back and repeat some of what I've already said. Um, <laughs> I was wondering. I didn't hear. I was going so to hang up the and, show. and watch TV. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks, 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 thanks. Okay. We're going to talk about some short track news real quick. We're down to 10 minutes for that and then review the ARCA East race out of Five Flags Speedway with uh, just some brief updates on the ARCA Menards and ARCA West Series. Next, our guest uh, from the SRL Southwest Touring Series, Jacob Gomes, comes on the show after winning his second winter showdown at Kern County Raceway on Saturday night. And afterward, we're going to talk about the NASCAR Truck Series race at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Then, in the uh, next half hour, we review the Xfinity and Cup Series races at Circuit of the Americas. And we'll end our session tonight with NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with the Fan for Racing crew. Uh, I've gone over some of the dirt track stuff, but again, I was on mute, so I'll have to do that again. Uh, do you want to start with Buddy Colfoy? Um, let me see where we're at. I, you know what, Sharon, I'm, I'm looking at your notes. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Buddy Colfoyd okay. won the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series return to the Talladega Short Track. You can read about that over at theworldofoutlaws.com. And keep in mind, Buddy Colfoyd is a driver who has raced in NASCAR on occasion. So that name should sound familiar to a lot of people. Okay, then we have um, Brad Sweet followed with his first win of the year at Magnolia Motor Speedway. That you can also uh, look it up on uh, worldofoutlaws.com. Okay, and then there's a new series director, Kevin Noose, for the All-Star Circuit of Champions. He was promoted uh, as series director, and that can be, you can read that article over at allstarsprint.com. So that's all we have for the uh, dirt racing world. Uh, but let's talk about short tracks next, Sal. Okay. And then on the short tracks, uh, we got Kevin Harvick, and it's Kevin Harvick Incorporated team are back, sort of. Harvick is running the Cars Tour late model stock car race at North Wilkesboro Speedway in May, and that you can uh, follow that up on um, short track short track scene which is uh, Matt Weaver's um, uh, um, website. Yes, indeed. We talked about that on uh, last Thursday as well, so I know a lot of fans are looking forward to that. Also, Hickory Motor Speedway has made a rule book change tied to the tires and social media after their recent weekend of controversies. Again, Matt Weaver writes about that over at Short Track Scene, uh, so uh, you'll definitely want to read about that if you want to know why those rule book changes are uh, put into place. And then from there, then we go to uh, Carson Quapel avenged his icebreaker loss with the win at Florence Speedway this past weekend. That you can also look at a short track scene, which was a story that was written by uh, Matt Weaver himself. Now, I heard there was a little bit of controversy in that race as well, so I'm sure Matt covers that. Uh, but another article that you want to make sure you read. Also, Brandon Ward led a New Day Motorsports 1-2 in the Smart 
modified tour at Carraway Speedway. Uh, again, uh, that's written by Matt Weaver over at Short Track Scene. Uh, again, you'll want to check that out. And then let me see what else do we have here. We have um, Vicente Salas and Kate Brown split the twin feature at the at uh, also at, uh, at Caraway Speedway, which you can also follow that up on. I'm um, short track scene with uh, with Matt Weaver. I'm following up on that story. Okay, awesome. Okay, now Jacob Gomes is going to be on our radio show at the top of the hour, and he won for the second time, Sal, in the winter showdown out at Kearns County Raceway. I know you're fully aware of that. Uh, were you there this weekend? Yes, I was. I was there. I actually, he. Um, this makes it two in a row for this season because he also won the the opening All Star Showdown at um, at uh, um, at Orindale Speedway. So that makes it. It's not three wins in a row, but it makes it three um, three uh, three of the big uh, wins for the um, for the SRL. They're they're uh, they're they're are two biggest races of the season. So. That that makes it Too big yeah one. makes it it makes it third in a row yeah it makes it third in a row that's right because Derek Thorne won the opening um, All Star Showdown last year in in uh in January okay so we'll be talking to Jacob about that at the top of the hour you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that and and I don't know if you saw my note but I will participate uh, tonight I do have my voice back Sal. So uh, definitely looking forward to having Jacob Gomes on the show tonight. He's been here All before, right. right? Yes, he has. We had him. Uh, we had him last year. I think we had him. I know you've been here. Oh, we had him. Yeah, I've, I'm thinking that we we might have had him after the um, after he won the championship. Oh no, we did have him after the championship. That's right. He's also the reigning. Um, he's also yep, he's also the defending S- SRL um, Southwest Tour champion from from last year. Right, right, right. I think that's when we had him on. Uh, but uh, again, that'll be at the top of the hour, and uh, uh, definitely looking forward to talking to him. He's won uh, two of these winter showdowns in a row. He's won. <laughs> uh, uh, two championships in the SRL, and uh, you mentioned a third big, a third big race uh, for that series. So uh, he is uh, right up there. I, I saw that he was tied with Jeremy Doss now for the most winner showdown race, race wins. Yes, he is, and um, actually, he's a. Uh, um... Oh, I already said that that he was he was also last year's um last year's uh, SRL Southwest Tour champion. So that yeah, that made it that made it two two championships that he has on the as far as the series goes and um and this year he's running with uh Derek Thorne racing with Derek's uh new team. So it's gonna be exciting you know, to hear yeah, to hear about, you know, what he's got going on. Um uh it was a it was a very exciting race of you know, as as we know, you know, when we talk to him, you know, when it you know, when he comes on you know, at the top of the hour. So um it's uh it's gonna be a good uh a real good interview with them, really exciting it was a really exciting win. It was, it was a ex- exciting for for his whole team involved. 
Without a doubt. A couple of other big winners there, or not winners, but um, close finishers, uh, Buddy Shepard and uh, Dan Holtz, both uh, finished just behind uh, Jacob Gomes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pardon me? Okay, go ahead. No, no, I was waiting for you. Okay, I was just going to say, I know we're just a couple minutes early, but I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Uh, and that is the race review for the Arkham Art Series. Pensacola 200 uh, at Five Flags Speedway this past weekend. Now, Five Flags is where they run the Snowball Derby. It's a very well-known racetrack on the circuit. We've had to wait a long time for this race, Sal. I'm so used to it happening the season opening race happening in February, and here it is March uh, 25th before we have the season opening race for uh, the ARCA East. But uh, it was it was a good one and well worth the wait. Uh, William Sawalich was fastest in practice and won the general tire pole in qualifying, and then he led every lap to win the Pensacola 200. Uh, presented by Team Construction, becoming the 14th driver to win in the Arkham Menard Series East debut. Uh, he's driving that number 18 car that was driven by Sammy um, Sammy Smith and also uh, Ty Gibbs. So he's been really good equipment with Joe Gibbs Racing. Oh yeah, he has been. Um, you know what? It was a uh, um, it was a race that. Me and some friends were talking about it before the before they ran it, and um, and he was asking me, you know, about who the top three would be, and I told him I, I said I said uh, I said Solid will definitely win the race, barring any anything that happened okay. like what happened at Phoenix, yeah, mm-hmm. anything unforeseen. I says, and actually my top three was Solid, Finch, and uh, and then I just do entire Rife, you know, because you know. He's from out here. He won in Phoenix, but um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll tell you one thing. He he um, man, he he put on a clinic, led every lap, and uh, geez, it was uh wow. Uh, well, yeah, was, do you want to let every lap in the series debut? Uh, Sovalich also set a new track record in the general tire pole qualifying. At 17.220 seconds, that's 104.530 miles per hour, besting Leyland Honeyman's lap set in 2022 by two one-thousandths of a second. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. He he was just he was on he was on fire the whole weekend. Uh, though you know while you know just for the, you know the day they raced, I mean, uh, I watched. I was able. Believe it or not, to watch part of the race, couldn't watch too much of it because we were doing the, um, we were doing the, uh, our winter showdown. So I, I stopped to kind of look and, and just see them way out there in front. I was like, man, this guy was just really, just really on fire. Okay. Did you see the Pensacola 200 notes, post race notes that I put out on the yeah. page? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I've seen them. So you want to go through these? Is that what you wanted to go through them? Yeah, I just did the third one. Do you want to do the fourth one now? Yeah. Okay. One, two, one, two, three, four. And then, um, and then we had Luke. Uh, Luke Fenhouse also made his ARCA de- uh, series debut, coming on an impressive style for the newly formed Pinnacle Racing Group. The new team is led by crew chief 
Shane Huffman, who helped Brett Holmes on his run to the 2020 Arkham Menard Series Championship. Yeah, Luke Venhaus uh, made a good showing at that race, too, with that uh, second-place finish. Also, two-time five-flag Speedway Sportsman Champion Jake Finch finished third, driving one of two entries fielded by Venturini Motorsports. So, uh, good showing for Venturini Motorsports there with Jake Finch. Oh yeah, especially Jake. He's got he has a lot of um he's got a lot of experience at that track. He's raced a lot of races there at the, and and as we all know, his dad James used was the would used to own um, Phoenix Racing was a cup was a a NASCAR Cup team. And then yep. Jake's um teammate Sean Hingarini, who will also compete with, for the Arkham Menards Series West Championship made his East debut in the second Venturini Motorsports entry. Hingarini ran his highest third and finished fourth, the final driver on the lead lap. We've had Sean Hingarini on the show before when he won his first um, SRL Southwest Tour uh, Pro Late model. Um, That's right. I remember. Uh, We've also had LeVar Scott on the show (laughs) in his Arthur Menard's debut at Daytona International Speedway. he made his series debut and finished fifth in Rev Racing Chevrolet, uh, Max Eagles Rev Racing Chevrolet. And Scott also finished in the top five, fourth in his Arkham Menard Series debut at Daytona International Speedway in February. So he finished fifth this past weekend and uh, a, a top five finish of fourth at Daytona. And Tyler's been on our show. <laughs> Yeah, and, and and Tyler Reif, who we had on last weekend, last 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 Monday, who had just won, got fresh off the win in Phoenix to open up the the Arkham Menard Series West, was also at Five Flags this past past week. He finished sixth in his first appearance with the Arkham Menard Series East. Reif won the Arkham Menard Series and Arkham Menard Series West combination race at Phoenix Raceway three weeks ago. Will be racing for both Arkham Menard East and West Series Championships this year. Another guest on Fan for Racing Racing, Fan for Racing Radio, is Zachary Tinkle. He made the move over to Andy Hillenberg's Fast Track High Performance Racing Team in the off season, and their first uh, race together uh, resulted in Tinkle's best Arkham Menard Series finish. He finished seventh this past weekend. And then we got Tanner Arms scored his second career top ten finish. He finished eighth in the uh, in the race at Five Flags Speedway this past weekend. Okay, after being plagued by mechanical issues at Phoenix, the West racer R.J. Smotherman made a trip east to Five Flags, hoping to get his season back on track. He stayed out of trouble all night long. He came home with a ninth place finish. Yeah, that was that was a really good finish for uh, for RJ. He's actually, as long as Tyler doesn't wreck a car, um, RJ will be racing. He's um, he's uh, Tyler Rife's um, teammate on oh, okay. um, the Loudon, uh, yeah, on the Loudon Jackson um, racing team. And then veteran Ed Pompa rounded out the top ten in a second fast track high performance racing entry, his second career East top ten finish. Okay, the race was only slowed by one caution flag for five minutes at the halfway break for four laps. 
that resulted in a new race record, the average speed of 82.286 miles per hour. So uh, very cool that they only had that one caution flag for the halfway break. Yeah, it is, it is, especially for for the way the um, the way that track races, five flag races, and especially for what we've seen from the opener from the West Series in Phoenix with all the caution flags that we yep. have seen over there. So are we going on a Tyler Reddick? Mm-hmm. Okay, Tyler Reddick, who won the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, also a first-start winner in the Arco Lenards Series East. Reddick won in his first career East start in the 2012 season finale at Rockingham Speedway. Okay. I like that they highlight some of the uh, graduates, if you will, from the Arkham Arts Series. Uh, Solowitz leads the Arkham Arts Series East standings by seven over Fenhouse, with Finch, Hangarini, and Scott rounding out the top five. So it's only one race, but that'll sort itself out as the season goes. Oh, yeah, as the season goes on. And then the next Arc of an Arch Series East race, the General Tire 125 at Dover Motor Speedway, is set for Friday, April 28th. The race will be streamed live on Flow Racing at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time and will be shown on a delayed basis on CNBC on Sunday, May 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Okay. Now, the Arkham Art Series West returns to action this Saturday, April the 1st, out at Irwindale Speedway. The West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame 150 will be streamed live on Flow Racing starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So uh, definitely a race to watch. The West will be back in action for their second race of the season. Yes, it'll be a it'll be a good, and actually we'll have clear weather this week, and there's no rain in the forecast. And uh, you guys coupled with had the, your share um, of rain this year. Oh man, we've had our we've 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 already had well we had opening night at Orindale rained out already, and uh, wow. gosh it was. Yeah, so then we ran it two weeks ago, opening night, and uh, that's because we had a break in between the the Southwest Tour Series, and then he couldn't, Tim couldn't do it this weekend because of the Arc of an Art Series again. He's already got the Night of Destruction, so we got the Arc of an Art Series, and from and then from there, then we go into our our Night of Destruction, which is uh, which is where they crash and tear up tear up all the all the stuff, see how much stuff they can tear up in one night. So it's it's gonna be an exciting night for those fans that that are in the area. You know what, um this will be a time to come out and watch a West race and then also stay and see the action of the Night of Destruction, also the fireworks show that Tim does after every race on uh after one of our um our uh, weekly shows. So it'll be a good uh a good time. Yeah, yes, family time. Absolutely. Okay, now Regina Servant was part of Rev Racing uh, in the past couple of years. We've actually had her on our show from there. And now she is joining Venturini Motorsports in 2023 for a limited schedule. She's 20 years old and is from Mexico City, Mexico. Uh, She kind of made some history when uh, she raced in the NASCAR Mexico Truck Series. She became the first Hispanic woman to win 
NASCAR, NASCAR International Race. She finished the season in the top three of the, the Drivers' Championship standings and then made her stock car debut through the Drive for Diversity program. So uh, it's going to be fun to see her when she races in uh uh, in the Arkham and Art series with Venturini uh, this season. Uh, she's a really pleasant woman, and uh, I, I really wish her the best this season. Yeah, you know, we're going to, I guess, you know, like you said, you know, we're, you know, we're going we're gonna to see a lot of different, um, you know, different uh, drivers and stuff, you know, coming up through the Arkham and Art series this year. Um, it's going to be uh, a good season, you know, for, you know, everybody involved. Um, I know I'm looking forward to this weekend, especially this weekend's race at, at Oradell Speedway. Without a doubt. I, I never doubted that for a minute, Sal. <laughs> While there's a okay. flight, you catch a flight and come on out. Come on out, yeah. I'd have to drive out there. I'm not big on flying anymore. Okay. Train, I do want to mention, train though. station right there. There's a train yeah, station right true. there. So I do want to mention, though, Sal, before we run out of town, out of time, uh, the Reese's Sweet Move of the Race uh, was Luke Fenhouse takes second at Five Flags Speedway. It was a very savvy move on his part. Did you see that? No, I didn't. That's, that's uh, what I, the one part that I missed. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. You have to definitely check that out. It's over at ArcaRacing.com. And uh, he moved right into second place with an amazing move. And uh, you just know that these guys put on a good show for all the fans out there at uh, Kern County Raceway this past weekend. Yeah, that was smooth. I'm watching it right now, and it was a very smooth move on his part. Uh, If you want to see all the racing highlights for the Pensacola 200 at Five Lake Speedway, uh, you can check that out. And as we mentioned earlier, there is a delayed broadcast over at CNBC. Uh, That's on April 2nd at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, I always encourage people, make sure you check your local listings to make sure it's the same time we're in your neck of the woods, if you will. Uh, But as far as the information we have, it should be this April the 2nd, that's Sunday, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. You can check out that race with the delayed broadcast from Five Flags Speedway. Yeah, that's definitely be one to see, especially, you know, with, without any cautions, at least, you know, you're, you know, you're going to see a whole race, you know, you know, you ain't going to have no time to get up and get any snacks. So whatever, whatever snacks or anything you have, you better grab Murdy and because it's going to be racing from green flag to checker flag. Absolutely. Okay, and remember, uh, Jay and I will be on air this Thursday night, and we will preview that race at Irwindale Speedway uh, for you on Thursday night's show. We start at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here at Bamford Racing Radio. So let's. Uh, our guest is actually here, Sal. I'm going to bring him into the queue. Uh, I know we're a couple minutes early, but that's okay. Um, Jacob, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? Going great. We're glad to have you back. We've been looking forward to this. Uh, I was so happy to hear about your 
second winter showdown win out at uh, Kern County Raceway this weekend. It was the eighth annual winter showdown, and you've won a quarter of those races. How's yeah, it Yeah, it was our, our second one. Yeah, second one. Well, we won last year, so two years in a row. Yeah, that is awesome, Jacob. You also have uh, two uh, championships in the SRL Southwest Touring Series. So uh, life's been good. Yeah, I know we've had a great year last year and another great year starting off this year on our third race. And um, just looking forward to the rest of the year and going to, we go to a couple different tracks we haven't been to in a long time and a track we haven't been to ever. So it's going to be interesting to see how it, it all lays out and hopefully we can keep getting some more wins and make it up the list. Okay. Uh, Jacob, what's been the highlight for you over these last couple of years with the two championships and now uh, the winner showdown wins? And and Sal tells me you've got another third big all-star win as well. What's been the highlight for you? Oh, for for sure getting our second championship and making it two instead of just one. Um, By far winning the all-star showdown, that was a highlight of my whole entire career, getting that one. Winter Showdown last year was really cool to get our name on a list, and then this year backing it up with another one um, and just getting on consecutive roles. I mean, every race we win is just a huge highlight in my career. It's not easy to win these Southwest Tier races, and there's a lot of good guys, and there's a lot of good people that in the past, and we're just hoping to keep making up the list and making history. But by far winning two championships has been great. Hopefully one day we can get three, and really just year, this year trying to work on going to the big races and trying to win as much as we can. Winning Tucson, we go to Tucson in a couple weeks. Winning now would be awesome. I've never had real good luck there. Um, but with a group of guys we got now, I think we have a really good shot out. It'd be cool to win there for our first time. And we're really looking forward to Colorado here in the summer. That's going to be a really good one. Okay, so that gives us something to look forward to as well. Uh, uh, Jacob, you you mentioned you're you're kind of with a new team. I think Sal kind of mentioned that too. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your team change. Um, we're still it's still my family owned team with my dad and all our sponsors and everybody that's been helping me over the years. But we just had a good alliance with Derek Thorne and Mike Keen and uh, all those guys with uh, support helping us in the shop and at the racetrack with Mike Keen helping us with some calls and and Derek helping us out with all the little things with the tires and helping us just get through our weekends. And uh, it's really been a great thing for us over, over these last couple of years, working with Derek and racing against Derek the last couple of years and getting to help him with his program and learning as I go and just trying to make myself better as good as he is and just uh, hopefully have the success they've had and make ourselves better. It's been great. Okay. My apologies. A little misunderstanding there on my part. No, I so, so, yeah, and Derek Thorne, uh, we've had him on the show quite a few times. Uh, he was the um, Snowball Derby winner this past season. Yeah. No, yeah, he won. Yeah, he won last year. Uh, how tough was that, racing with Derek Thorne at uh, the Snowball Derby? Were you in there? Um yeah, no, it was it was it's tough in itself and to have him and I mean there's ten other guys that I mean, if you make the snowball derby you have the best you all have a shot at winning and to race against all those guys back there was a complete game changer and trying to adapt ourselves and racing against Derek, we've raced against Derek, you know, on weekly things and 
he's one of the best in the country and probably ever. So to race with him and learn and try and beat him is a huge landmark. Yeah, that that really is very, very cool. So, uh, again, congratulations on your win. And uh, I am going to, or I should say wins, make that a plural. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pass the baton over to Sal Segala. I know he's uh, biting the bit here with some questions for you as well. Well, hey, Jacob, first of all, yeah, I'm here. Hey, first of all, congratulations on the win. Um, you know, back-to-back uh, um, winner showdown wins, you know, I know it does. those wins, they don't come easy. And actually, you know, you joined, a, you know, a list of, um, of elite drivers, you know, who, who, who have, who has two, uh, two uh, winner showdown wins. Who's that? I think Derek and Bubba have two, don't they? That's it. Just Derek and Bubba are the only two that have them. Well, that's cool. <laughs> there's, there's six of them right there. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Who's and the actually, other one? Derek Kyle is... Bush and who was, who was the other one to win? Oh, Ty Majeski. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Ty Majeski won. won. Yeah, uh, Ty won the, the Lights Out. Yeah. The right. Lights Out winner showdown. He left early and the power went out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was kind of strange, you know. And then, um, and then also you pick up the All Star Showdown win, you know, because I know that 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 had been a big win, you know, to start this, you know, to kick the season off, especially after your, you know, season you had last year, you know, with your, you know, with the wins that you had last year, you know, then um, picking up your uh, second championship. Yeah, no, it was awesome to get to just top the whole year off with. I mean, I think that race alone is the biggest race in the whole entire year for the SRL, or one of them for sure. That's a that was a huge one to put written down on our list. So going going back to the win this this past weekend, you know, um, you know, you uh, led some practices on Friday night. You know, you led led the practice on um, on. Saturday, you know, but it seemed like once the race started, the first, you know, part, you know, before the before the break, you know, the car just didn't seem like it was uh, like it was what you wanted. Yeah, no, we had a good car there in the beginning. I was just kind of the Jeremy, not Jeremy, Blaine and Jace really set a pace, and just watching them and seeing how the race was going, I just felt like maybe they they were setting they were setting it too fast and. I felt like I was really kind of wearing my stuff out, like not really wearing it out, but I just felt like they were just, they were going too fast for what we needed to do that night. And uh, to to go 135 laps on one set of tires was really hard to do. And we've never done that. So I knew that going too hard there was just going to be, just going to be way too much for him. And I was battling Kale there for third for a little bit, but then I knew being on the outside on the restart was going to be my best bet to make my way up in the second. So I just bit my time there, and we got to the halfway break, and Mike Keene made a great couple, bunch of great calls, made our car just a little bit better and a little bit more than we needed. And, you know, the rest was just go and uh, just got those two last restarts and did what I had to do with Jace and, and end up getting by him. And I think I feel like we had the best car to end. I mean, I think we were two-tenths faster than all of them at the end. And we just had the just the right setup with Mike and everybody on my team made a good call. And, I feel like we saved just enough there at the end, and I think everybody else went a little too hard too early. 
You know, and actually, I mean, your your uh, margin of victory, six seconds, gosh. I mean, that was, you know, especially in this series, you know, that's unheard of, especially on a, you know, on a, on a track, you know, that big, you know, since, you know, most of the, you know, the competition, you know, is, is usually, you know, it's um it's usually pretty close. But when I was right there by the start-finish line and you went through, and I'm sitting there waiting, I'm going, well, heck, who's, where's, uh, where's the rest of the field? And then finally everybody <laughs> else came through, and I was like, and, you know, six seconds. I mean, a lot of people that's think six seconds is quick. That's that's a lot. That is a big, that is a huge margin. Yeah, no, I uh, I, w- I had a little bit of anger built up. We uh, we went to Florida a couple weeks ago and just had just really bad luck and lost the power steering. Nobody's fault. Just, just uh, you have a lot of good races, and you always get that one that always comes back and gets you, and it, and it just kind of adds up, and, Florida was great. We got a top 10 finish, but I was like internally upset with myself. Like I want, obviously I want to win every race I can, but um, I kind of had, I felt like I had something to prove last week. And I just, I mean, we have, I have one of the greatest crew chiefs in the country between Mike and my dad and they just together, they're good. And with me and everybody, it's just a really good little combo. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I just wanted to show everybody. I mean, we're, Hopefully we have a good year going forward and um, we can get some more wins. You know, and actually I was talking to Mike after the race and I told Mike, I go, I go, what was it that Magic Mike did to, you know, to give Jacob that, um, that lead that he got? And he goes, you know what, Sal? He goes, Jacob gave me some really good feedback on what he wanted with the car. He goes, and we were able to, you know, to, to do that. Now I know, as far as what that feedback is, I know those are your guys' little secrets, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to yeah. ask you to, you know, to uh, elaborate on it. But, um, you know, that, that's pretty neat, you know, when you hear it from somebody like Mike, you know, to say, hey, you know what, he gave me good feedback, you know, and I was able to, you know, to put that into what he needed, you know. So, I mean, you knew exactly what you needed in the car, you know, to make it better, you know, for the, you know, to finish out the race and basically – you know, like you said, you know, gosh, grab that that six second lead and and uh, you know, win by that margin. Yeah, no, and and Mike, I mean, Mike, hands down, he's he, he's one of the greatest crew chiefs on the West Coast in the nation for the last ten, fifteen years. I mean, he's been the one. Him and Derek together were like the Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals combo on steroids for super late models. I mean. When I was racing against them, I was going to the track like, okay, I hope I get second this weekend because we just knew. I mean, they were hands down. They're the they're great. So, but yeah, building a relationship with Mike the last couple of years and with Derek and all of them together and working one on one with Mike now, we've really become one. And he's understanding me. Like, obviously, I don't talk the same as Derek does, and and we, everybody every driver has a different feel. And I think it was Mike, Mike. Mike and me have a really good connection and Mike understands the weird things I say and he comprehends, you know, what I say and it's just been going great. And I think it's going to be pretty amazing year. I think we're, we're going to, I'm really hoping we can get some more things done and we're hoping to add some more races on our, on our schedule this year and brighten our horizons. I'd like to go back East and do some more things and go win some races. What? So, so, um, so what's it like this year, you know, without, you know, without, well, actually, you know, yeah, last year, you know, Derek did run full time, but, you know, um, you know, to have Derek, you know, almost, you know, like you said, you know, 
with him and Mike helping you guys, you know, sure they're helping John more too, you know, but not having Derek out there racing, you know, and, and having, you know, having him more, you know, inside your pit. But like you said, you know, Mike, you know, having Mike, you know, you know, right there, you know, with him and your dad, you know, you know, putting everything, putting their heads together, you know, to give you a lot stronger car. What do you see different from this year, from last year with your car? Um, we got uh, a, a new car, but I mean, there's really nothing, uh, nothing different. I think we're um, last year there was a couple things we learned that we needed to change for this year, and it's really shown off in the lot. I mean, we've won lot the two, two of the last three races, and I, we've really figured it out. Florida was different. I'm not used to that place. It's probably only my fourth or fifth time there. Just myself trying to get better. Um, and that's one thing I'm really working forward to this year is to go to different places and conquering Tucson's a, that's on my agenda. I've been studying film. I, I mean, I got home Sunday morning. I was already on my phone watching all the highlights from Tucson, watch the chili Willie, just trying to learn everything I can right now. Cause we're going to go to a bunch of tracks. I'm not dominant at or good at, or I just want to be better, but not having Derek there is a little bit different and having us helping him is, is different, but it's a blessing in the same disguise having them there learning as much as I can from Derek and Mike and just trying to make myself better. I just, I can only pray that I could be the, all the things those guys are on. And hopefully me with them is just going to help me build myself more and make some history. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you're, you're heading in that you're heading, you guys, the team is heading in the right direction, you know, and, you know, and, and it's neat to see, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the, um, uh, uh, the camaraderie out there, you know, and, and to see, you know, how well, you you know, your team does, you know, getting you set up, you know, getting you ready, you know, for the, you know, for, you know, for the whole, you know, race weekend, you know, which is, you know, you know, it's huge, especially, you know, with the, you know, with the SRO, you know, giving you guys, you know, the two days, the Friday of practice, and then, you know, of course, Saturday is race day and um, qualifying and all that. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. They give us a lot of time on Fridays and Saturdays. We actually went on Thursday and tested, but yeah, the SRO does a great job and they have their... That's one thing we're kind of working on, trying to put it all together. I'd like to go run some of their stuff back east in the national, but between work and, I mean, we're trying to make a living at the same time and enjoy our hobby while we do it. But we're slowly working on it. I want to be a part of the thing, what they got going on back there. I feel like that's going to be something really big. And they've proved it. They've had a, they had a really good showing at the showdown. They had a really good showing right there at the Rattler. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I hope I can make a couple of those and, make my name out there well jacob i just want to say congratulations on the win again you know starting off the season you know with the all with the all-star showdown win you know continuing with the winter showdown last year's championship and um you know best of luck the rest of the season i'm sure i'll see you out at the track more often again this season and with that i'm gonna turn it back over to sharon thank you Okay, Jacob, one last question from me, and that is, are you going to be at the Snowball Derby again this year? We're uh, we're hoping. We're trying to put it all together. Um, we're going to try and go race two more races there this year and get some more laps under our belt. But, it, we, yeah, we're, I'm pretty sure we're going to go back. But if anything, something could happen, you never know. But, yeah, our, our goal right now is we're 100% committed right now for the for the Derby again. Okay, that's good news. Now, uh, I know we've done a good job of shouting out a lot of the members of your team. Are there any more shout-outs that you want to do before we say goodnight? Yeah, no, I'd like, I mean, I'd like to thank Sal. He, he does one of the greatest photographers there on the, 
on the circuit. I thank him and Dave Reeves and Deloso Family Farms and Bill Andrietta and Sunny Valley Smoke Meats and Treva and everybody involved, Mike David, Davis Racing Products, Valley Pacific Petroleum. And there's a lot of guys that make this thing happen, and I couldn't do without any of them. And uh, everything adds up and everything everything counts, and I couldn't be there without them. Okay, that's that's awesome. And um, before you go, uh, social media handles so that fans can follow you and stay up to date with what's going on. Well, I'm on Instagram, Jacob Gomes, and Facebook, and I finally fired uh, – one of my sponsors actually got on me today. He's like, why don't you use your Twitter? And I said, well, I'm on TikTok too much anyways. I don't need no distractions. But I'm actually – I just fired my Twitter back up, and I'm hopefully trying to get another big following there and combine all my stuff together and get a little bit more people behind me. Okay, that sounds good, Jacob. And, and hopefully uh, you'll get a few more uh, followers uh, from our show. Um Jacob, we hope you'll come back and visit with us uh, somewhere down the road here with the uh, 2023 season. We always enjoy having you back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'll love to be on any. Okay. Take care and good luck with the next race out there. When is your next race? Uh, I think it's April 14th at um, Tucson. Oh, okay. That's the one you're looking forward to. So uh, yeah, we'll be watching. Back there. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thank you, Jacob, and uh, once again, congratulations on your victories. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Sal. All right, thanks, Jacob. All right, that is uh, Jacob Gomes. He is a two-time winner of the Winter Showdown at Kern County Raceway, a two-time champion in the SRL Southwest Touring Series, and he won the All-Star uh, showdown in that series as well. So some big, big wins for Jacob Gomes, and always a lot of fun uh, chatting and catching up with him. Yes, it is, Sharon. And um, I'll tell you, he's we'll, we'll, at the rate he's going, we'll probably have him on a lot more this season because he's um, man, he's clicking on all on all eight cylinders. The team is great. The team is uh, putting in a lot of work. And you know, yep. and, and that's what it, that's what it takes, you know, to get into a victory lane today. Well, I think he's going to be a future uh, snowball derby winner as well. So. Oh yeah, just uh, keep keep proud on him. You know, it's just it's just uh, like you said. You know, he just got back from Five Flags over there, so um, he's uh, he's getting primed and ready to go. All right. Uh, unfortunately, we, it's time for us to have to move on. We're going to go ahead and uh, do our review of Expel 225, that Circuit of the Americas for the NASCAR Truck Series next. The race winner was Zane Smith at the age of 23, driving the number 38 Speedco Peak Ford for Front Row Motorsports with his crew chief, Chris Lawson. It was his ninth victory in 73 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series races. Uh, that's huge. And uh, his second victory and third top ten in this season. He won at Daytona as well as Coda. Uh, he's also the defending uh, Truck Series champion. Uh, this is his second victory and third top ten finish in three races at Circuit of the Americas. 
Now, Kyle Busch finished second, posting his second top ten finish in two races at the track. It's his second top ten finish this season. We just mentioned Ty Majeski. Well, he finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races out at uh, Austin, Texas. Nick Sanchez finished seventh. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, this is the third consecutive win for Front Row Motorsports in that number 38 Ford team at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, fans will recall that Todd Gilliland won in that car in 2021, and then Zane Smith followed that up with wins in 22 and 23. So uh, a big win for Zane Smith this weekend out at the Circuit of the Americas. Okay, it was back-to-back truck series races. Uh, for Zane Smith, he became the first repeat NASCAR winner at the famed Circuit of the Americas Road Course. He's also, as I mentioned earlier, the reigning series champion, and he had to hold off the veteran Kyle Busch to claim his second straight victory in Saturday's night in Saturday's uh, race. The 23-year-old California uh, drives the number 38 for Front Row Motorsports Ford, and he led 15 laps, which is the race best. 16 of the 42 laps in all. He crossed the finish line in an impressive 5.451 seconds ahead of the two-time NASCAR Cup Series uh, champion Kyle Busch. The win makes Smith's front row motorsports team a perfect 3-for-3 in the Craftsman Truck Series at Coda. Uh, Again, Todd Gilliland winning in 2021. so uh, let's see. Let's run down the top uh, ten here. Uh, Kyle Busch finished second, Ty Majeski third. Then it was Tyler Ankrum, uh, the pole sitter Ross Chastain, Corey Heim, Nick Sanchez, Tanner Gray, Kaz Grala, Ben Rhodes were the remainder of the top ten. Stage two was won by Kaz Grala. Uh, ben Rhodes were the remainder of the top ten. Stage two was won by the Atlanta winner, Christian Eckes. Eckes suffered a power steering issue and ended up finishing 30th. There were nine lead changes among five drivers and three cautions for five yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 77 miles per hour. Your thoughts, Sal, on the race results for these top ten drivers? You know what? All i got to say is um, congratulations to Zane Smith. And Kyle Busch, what a sore head. I could not believe that. Come on, give the kid a break. Oh, he got lucky. That was his interview. He got lucky. The kid <laughs> well, didn't get lucky. Kyle the Bush kid drove like his – oh, I, I know. The kid drove his butt off. I mean, he was just mad because he didn't win the race. And he and Zane Smith drove his, his butt off and won that race. I mean, great, great uh, pitch strategy by by, uh, it's by, uh, um, by but yeah, by uh, um, Chris Lawson, which as a matter of fact, I'm going to get hold of Chris and see if we can get him on the show here within the next, hopefully within the next month. I talked to him at the Derby, awesome. and he says anytime we want him back, he'll go in and come back on. I just got to give him a, give him a shout out. But I mean, Zane drove a, uh, he drove a perfect race. You know what? And um, he was so far out in front that he was just on uh, cruise control, wasn't even full throttle going the last lap. And then when he, and then that burnout when he caught his truck on fire. That was that was classic, but then you know, like you said, you know, we got to go all through the top ten. 
congrats on Nick Sanchez, you know, the highest finishing rookie, you know, finishing seventh. You know, you got to remember this. This is a road course. It, it wasn't an oval, and they all they these guys they fought for for every they position did a good they job. had. You know, yeah, they did. I mean, Ty, Ty, yeah, I mean, Ty, Ty Majeski, who's not a who's not a um, real road course person. Tyler Anchor, who's not a road course person, who came from dirt. You know, and then uh-huh. while Ross Chastain. We know that Ross Chastain can drive any any track, and Ross Chastain is good on the road courses. But um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, looking up and down, and it's funny today. Me and Matt Jackson were just talking about Tanner Gray, you know, and the finish that you had, you know, finishing eighth, you know, for um, uh, David Gillen and racing was was a was a good um finishing. Kaz Grala, we haven't heard Kaz Grala's name in a long time. I know. <laughs> you know, and to see Kaz Grala, you know, pick up that ninth, that ninth, that ninth spot, you know. He's racing, um, only racing a few races this season, you know, but to see him get in, you know, grab that ninth spot was uh, good, you know. And then, of course, you know, Ben Rhodes, you know, who's always, con- you know, Mr. Consistency, you know, when it comes to the truck series. So um, mm-hmm. I expect a little bit more out of uh, out of um, um, Matt Crafton, you know, but, you know, things happen, yeah, you know. Yeah, he and, brought up an accident uh, that took him out yeah. of the race. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in took fact, him out couple, early, so. Yeah, he ended up finishing what? early. A couple of good drivers that ended up uh, leaving the race early. Ed Jones had a suspension issue, on, didn't even get a lap in. Dean Thompson uh, was out on lap four <clears throat> due to an accident. Carson Nelosavar had an issue with his axle, taking him out on lap eight. Uh, Crafton, we just talked about him. He was involved in an accident that took him out. On lap 11, Spencer Boyd uh, had an early race out on lap 12 for an electrical issue. And Parker Kligerman also had an electrical issue. He was out on lap 26. Christian Eckes, we talked about it. He was out early, lap 31 for a suspension issue. Uh, everybody else, um, I think uh, Matt DiBenedetto was a lap down, but everybody else finished on the lead lap. So uh, that was really cool to see, especially at a track like Circuit of the Americas where um, they could get strung out and, and, and everything. But uh, everybody finished on the lead lap for the most part. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a uh, very exciting race. I I seen parts of it. I'd like to say whenever I whenever I'm at the track, you know, I'll record and I'll just I'll catch like the last you know fifteen twenty laps. And um, mm-hmm. you know, when I was at the track, you know, I I seen when Zane had won and he and he you know he caught the truck on fire. It was real quick. I was walking by and I thought, man, I gotta go home and you know watch <laughs> you know at least watch the last ten laps, you know, and, and see it, you know, and uh. It was it was it was nuts. I mean, um, it was just, all in it all, just you know, I mean, yeah, you know what? It was it was good to see the trucks out on out on a big um, out on a big uh, road course like that. Mhm. Yeah, you know, I, really mean, I mean, how, how big that track? It's like almost four miles, I think. Yeah, it's 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 the biggest track on the circuit right now. I think it's three point four one miles. Um, it, it is a huge track. I've been yeah, there a couple of times before in NASCAR race, it's almost, but I've been there yeah, a couple almost of like, times. It's almost like it's three and a half. Yeah, it's almost like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Three and a half miles. Because, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I know it's a whole mile longer than, than Sonoma. It's, it's almost two and a half. 
mm-hmm. or Sonoma, somewhere around there. But that that track is huge, you know. And, and then, you know, and then you know to see them, you know, race on a on what was you know what was originally built, you know, the Formula One track. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know that that win that win that win for Zane was just it was huge. I mean, that was just you know that yep. was just I mean you know that was a big win. I mean a- anybody that would win on that track, you know, I mean. They they might say it's just a regular road course, but you're talking about Circuit of America. You're talking about a Formula One track. You know, that was awesome. Yep. Yep. I think anybody who wants to win the championship this year, they're going to have to go through through Zane Smith to get that job done. Uh, Zane really put on the show this weekend out at uh, Circuit of the Americas. Um, And uh, I'm just looking to see. Blaine Perkins uh, left. Uh, SS Greenlight Racing. He's returning to our motorsports at Richmond Raceway. So uh, a big change for uh, Blaine Perkins. Yeah, they had. He had um, after um, when I because I I talked to him at at Auto Club, and and the team really wasn't too happy with the results they're having. So basically, they they parted ways. And then they brought in mm-hmm. Carson Hosevar, you know, who, you know, who brought, you know, of course, Carson's going to bring money to the table because, you know, his parents have money, you know, so they brought Carson Hosevar to, to fill in for the, um, you know, for the rest of the season. But, you know, going back to Zane Smith, it's kind of ironic because I remember, remember two years ago, Sharon, he didn't have a ride. I know. He finished the season he didn't and he was looking for a ride. He didn't know if he was going to race anymore. And he came back and raced and won the championship. And now look at him. He's back in championship mode again. Yeah, and he's a really nice guy. I've talked to Zane at the track a few times. And he's just a super, yeah. super nice guy. So I'm happy to see yeah, him yeah. having that kind of success uh, in the truck series. And, uh, uh, again, we've known these guys for a while from the ARCA racing days or the Canon Pro Series days. And uh, that's where you you, you uh, get to know a lot of these drivers that move up into NASCAR's top three. So um, uh, definitely uh, looking forward to more from Zane Smith as this season uh, continues. So should we do the points? Yeah, let's do the points, Sal. <laughs> okay. Okay, the points after the Circuit of the Americas expel 225. Of course, Zane Smith with two wins. 11 playoff points and leading the points. Um, second is Ty Majewski. Third is Ben Rhodes. Fourth is uh, Christian Eckes, who also has a win, so he's already locked into the chase. Fifth is Grant Infinger. Sixth is Matt Crafton. Seventh is Tyler Akram. Eighth is Matt D. Uh, Benedetto. Ninth is Corey Heim. And tenth is Tanner Gray. And actually him and, him and Chase Purdy are both tied for, the, for that tenth spot. And Nick Sanchez is knocking on the door. So we'll have to yeah, see yeah. how that continues to play out. Um, yeah, super excited to watch this uh, NASCAR Truck Series uh, season uh, roll out. Uh, good to che- see Chase Purdy up in there as well. Uh, he's 11th in the series points, so he's knocking on the door there. Um, and uh, let's see. Zane, of course, has the most playoff points. Christian Eckes has the second most. 
uh, because he's got the other win in the series. There's only two winners so far in the series with Zane Smith and Christian Eckes. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see more as this season continues. Uh, so looking forward to it. Next up for uh, this truck series, just so you know, uh, let's see. The trucks are going to race at, is that the trucks? Yeah. Um, hold on. I think I'm on the wrong page. I want to make sure I get, give the right info here. Yeah, the next race for the truck series is the SpeedyCash.com 250 at Texas Motor Speedway on April 1st. That's this Saturday. They're not going to be at Richmond with the other teams. Uh, they are going to be out at Texas Motor Speedway. That race starts at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, and it will be televised on Fox with radio coverage at MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And, again, Jay and I will preview that race uh, this coming Thursday. So uh, stay tuned for more there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, they're they're right in the thick of things now. Two races in a row for the truck series. I always look forward to that. Yes, and um, I think we're um, – I think we're running behind on our next. Yeah, we are a little bit. I, yeah, the next series is the Arkham Menard series. I'm going to try to uh, get my notes here. Arca? Are we doing Xfinity? I'm sorry, Xfinity. What I, did I say? The Arkham Menards? Yeah. <sighs> the Xfinity series is the next series that we're going to review here. Uh, again. Uh, it was an exciting race to watch and uh, out at Circuit of the Americas. You know, this is a race that I look forward to. All three of these races I look forward to every year, um, the Circuit of America races. They they just it, – it's just so exciting to watch. All right. As I pull up my notes here uh, – the race winner, of course, was A.J. Allmendinger. He's 41 now, uh, racing for uh, the Celsius Chevrolet, number 10 for Colleague Racing, and Alex Johns is his crew chief. Uh, it was his 16th victory in 94 Cups, uh, Xfinity Series races and his first victory and first top 10 finish this year. Also, his second victory uh, in 22-23 and third top 10 finish in three races at the Circuit of the Americas. William Byron finished second, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Circuit of the Americas and his first top 10 finish this season. Uh, Ty Gibbs finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in two races at the Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Sammy Smith finished fourth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, this win was A.J. Allmendinger's Xfinity Series leading 11th victory on a road course. That's incredible. Yeah, oh. you always expect you always expect big things from A.J. Allmendinger when it comes to the road courses. Yes, you do. <laughs> He's always good on the road courses. And uh, definitely looking, always look forward to seeing what he does. 
Now, even though he had to overcome a mid-race mishap on a restart, uh, A.J. Allmendinger actually dominated that Xfinity Series race at Coda. It was his second consecutive win at that track and his 11th career win on the road course. Uh, again, William Byron finished second, just under one second behind Allmendinger. Then it was Ty Gibbs and Sammy Smith with Justin Algar rounding out the top five. Then Daniel Hemrick, Sam Mayer, Josh Berry, Sheldon Creed, who I thought he might have had a chance to win at one point, and Riley Earps with another top ten finish. Almondinger and Creed were the stage two stage winners. It was the first win of Creed's career. Uh, Smith and Algauer, Hemrick and Mayer are the four drivers that will compete for that $100,000 Dash for Cash bonus out at Richmond Raceway uh, this coming weekend. There were six lead changes among four drivers and five cautions for seven yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 75.263 miles per hour. Your thoughts on the race uh, race's top ten? Yeah, you know, um, gosh, when you start looking at the list, you have to go all the way down to Sammy Smith to the first um, – full-time Xfinity mm-hmm. driver because A.J. Allmendinger, William Byron, and Ty Gibbs are all cup drivers that came down to get that. We all know they came down to get, the, you know, some more experience on that on that track. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know hats, hats off to Sammy Smith. You know, not only was he the highest finishing Xfinity driver, but he was also the highest finishing rookie at that. So, um, you know, yep. to see Sammy Smith, you know, you know, have that kind of a finish when he's comes from an oval track background, you know. Um, yep. To meet out guys like Justin Allgaier and Daniel Hemrick, you know, who Sheldon Creed, you know, who, who are used to driving, you know, on the um, who are used to driving on the um, on the you know the road course when they have them. Uh, another good finish by Riley Herps. Uh, yep. You know, get grabbing another another top ten. Um, you know, it was kind of sad to see uh, Cole Custer get get a. Uh, get yeah. crushed early in the race, you know, um, gosh, I, if, if it was for bad luck, he would have no luck finishing way down at the bottom. But, um, you know, once again, you got to congratulate him. He, he only missed on one lap. He, he had yeah. A, uh, yeah, he only finished one lap down. He was still running at the end of the race. Yeah, but it was it was just, uh, you know, to get caught up, you know, in that. You know, it, yeah. it's hard to, yeah. it's like they say, it's hard to get your lap back. You know, on a, on yep. a road course, you know, when stuff like that happens, um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, it's good to see Sheldon Creed. You know, finally having a you know a good season himself. You know, we seen him last year. You know, we were all wondering when he was going to have the breakout season. Yeah. He had a lot of bad luck. I, I know, he, I know him and uh, gosh, him and somebody else got into it, and they were kind of enjoying it after the race. You know. Um, yeah, I forget who it was now. Yeah, but yeah, they, uh, you know, and uh, but uh, but all in all, you know what? I mean, you know, um, you know, Amandinger with all the uh, with all the um, uh, road course um, with all the road course uh, experience he has, you know, you kind of expect that for William Byron too. You know, he's really starting to mm-hmm. man. William Byron is having one heck of a season this year too. You know, finished second. <laughs> at, you know, had a good run here at Coda. You know the Xfinity series, and you know he's already got the two wins in the um, 
in the Cup Series, you know, and then it dropped down here, you can almost catch this win. Um, he's, you know, he's won a bunch of short track races too, Sal. He's been racing short tracks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, he he got the uh, he picked up the win at the Rattler last year. Mhm. You know, he got the win at the Rattler oh. last year and uh, and finished. Uh, I think finished second or third in one of the other big races that was out there at the one of the national uh, SRL national races racing for yeah. um, Donnie. Donnie Wilson Racing. Mm-hmm. Now, Carson Hosovar, it was not a good day for him in the Xfinity Series either. He did the double dip with both the Truck Series and Xfinity Series racing on Saturday, but he had a transmission issue giving him a 38th place finish, uh, and he was out of the race by lap seven. Austin Hill, uh, who's won three of the last five races, uh, three of the last six or half of the total, uh, had an engine issue, which gave him a uh, 37th place finish. He was out on lap 13. Preston Pardis had a suspension issue and took him out of the race on lap 16. Sage Karam uh, had an engine issue, taking him out on lap 23. Brett Moffat, also an engine issue, out on lap 27. And Brendan Poole was out on lap 29 with a steering issue with his car. So uh, a handful of drivers having problems out at uh, Circuit of the Americas. I know they had to be disappointed because everybody wants to race at Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, I mean, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, you know, it, it's a big race. And, you know, it's a, it's a big weekend, you know, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, like you said, you know, it's one of those races, you know, that everybody wants, you know, that all the drivers, you know, they all want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Driver point standings. Oh, you got to click to see the PDF, I yeah. guess. Yeah, the driver okay. point standings are, um, yeah. wow. Yeah, I'm having trouble getting to it, so I'm going to go over to NASCAR.com. You got it, Sal? Yeah, I was wondering what happened to... Uh... Yeah, I know. It's For some reason, it's not over there. So, we'll... Yeah. Uh, NASCAR.com has it. Yeah, we'll go over to... We'll go over to NASCAR.com and get the... And get the... Um, Points. NASCAR. Why did... Oh, here it is. It went to Cup for some reason. Yeah, that's a default, but if you hit the Xfinity logo, it'll pop up. Guess who's oh. second in point? Okay, here we go. No, it keeps, mine keeps, oh, shoot, it's right there in front of me. I don't know why I'm looking at the wrong, at the wrong logo. Okay. Um, Austin Hill still leading the points. With um with three wins, he's definitely locked in. He's locked in three for, out of six. for the next for the for the next decade with those three wins. And there's our there's our, our driver right there sitting second in points, Riley Herbs. Um mm-hmm. him back. What a season. Yeah, it's it's great to see him up there, you know, that high. You know, he's having a really, really good season. You know, mm-hmm. um and then 
sitting third is John Hunter Nemechek, who has that, who's also got the one win that he picked up at uh, Auto Club Speedway earlier in the year. Sitting fourth is Justin Allgaier. Sitting fifth is Chandler Smith. Um, and rounding out the top six is Sam Mayer. And then from there, then we go down to Sammy Smith, who got the win at, um, was it Phoenix? Yeah, I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm pretty, uh, pretty, pretty sure he got the win of Phoenix, so he's locked into the chase. Eighth is Sheldon Creed, who's, who's looking to, to make the chase this season. Ninth is Josh Berry. Tenth is Daniel Hamrick. And eleventh is Parker Klingerman. Around out the top 12 is Cole Custer, who's holding on, even with the season that he's having, you know, not too much luck there. But, uh, you know, he's holding on to that, um, to that 12th spot. Yeah, just nine points between him and Ryan Sieg in the 13th spot. So, uh, again, this is going to be fun to watch throughout the season. Austin Hill just having an amazing year um, with three wins out of six races. Uh, Five of those uh, finishes are top fives. He just has the one DNF, and that came this weekend out at Circuit of the Americas. Um, but we've not seen the last of Austin Hill. Oh, no, we haven't yet. There's still a lot lot of racing left, so, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how he finishes out, you know, the rest of the season, the rest of the races that are still, you know, that he still has to run. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, next, I'm going to go ahead and move over to the Cup Series, uh, Sal. The okay. NASCAR Cup Series race out at Circuit of the Americas, the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, was won by Tyler Ruddick at the age of 27 in the number 45 Monster Energy Toyota for 23-11 racing. His crew chief is Billy Scott. It was his fourth victory in 116 Cup Series races and his first victory in third top ten finish this year. It's also his first victory and third top ten finish in three races at Circuit of the Americas. Kyle Busch finished second. Uh, his second top ten finish in three races at Coda, and his fourth top ten finish this season. Alex Bowman finished third, posting his third top ten finish in three races out at Circuit of the Americas. Ty Gibbs was ninth. He was the highest finishing rookie. This was the fourth win for 23X11 Racing in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, They won at Talladega in 2021, the first Kansas race in 2022, and the second Kansas race that same year, and now in Austin, Texas in 2023. Uh, This was an exciting race to watch out at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, and I know we're going to be talking about this quite a bit uh, when we when we um, get to our NASCAR hot topics. Tyler Reddick wins his first race with 23-11 racing. Uh, he prevailed in three overtime restarts to claim his first trophy of the year and his first win with his new team, 23-11 racing. It was a 1.411 second victory over two-time series champion Kyle Busch uh, at uh, Circuit of the Americas. It was NASCAR's first road course race this season. Uh, it was a field of international champions and NASCAR's very best at the famed Circuit of the Americas course. But for most of the race, 
the outcome looked to be decided in the good old uh, Texas duel between the two fastest cars all weekend driven by Reddick and Hendrick Motorsports uh, driver William Byron. The pair exchanged the lead after an exciting lap for most of the afternoon and all the way down to the finish. Um, but it was Tyler Reddick who won that Echo Park uh, Grand Prix. And um, Bush finishing second, followed by Bowman, Chastain, uh, pole winner Byron, Sendrick, Stenhouse Jr., Busher, Ty Gibbs, and Todd Gilliland rounds out the top ten. Reddick and Byron took turns uh, dominating much of the race. Uh, Reddick uh, looked, took the lead from Byron with four laps left and held the lead through three overtime attempts to pull away and win by a 1.4-second gap. So, uh, again, uh, Jensen Button uh, from Formula One finished 18th. Jordan Taylor from IMSA filling in for Chase Elliott finished 24th. Kimi Raikkonen finished 29th after a late spin. Connor Daly had a broken transaxle which caused him to finish 36. And Jimmy Johnson was out on the first lap being involved in an accident that uh, gave him a 38th place finish. Stage one was run by Byron. Stage two was won by Reddick. Uh, there were 16 lead changes among seven drivers and eight cautions for 17 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 72.886 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the top 10 and the race out at Coda this weekend? Yeah, that um, those restarts were really, gosh, there was a really shakeup on Tyler Reddick for some reason just kept getting out in front, but for a while it looked like Kyle Busch was going to win. It looked like Ross Chastain was going to win. It looked like even um, Daniel Suarez who finished 27th looked like he was he was up there. He was going to win. Um, for a while, they were even talking about Kimi Raikkonen, even sneaking Kimmy, in there and yeah, getting, he was getting, grabbing the win. Yeah. Yeah. William Byron, too. But um, I don't know, Tyler Reddick just outlasted the field. And once he got out front, Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch really didn't have didn't have anything for him at the end, you know, um, you know, as we've seen, you know, Kyle finished second. But, I mean, still Kyle was able to hold off Alex Bowman and Ross Chastain because Chastain – was strong and actually Chastain got spun on one of the restarts and was way back and was able to make his way all the way up to finish to finish fourth. I thought when Chastain got spun, I think it was like the second or third restart. I thought that was it. And um, sure enough, here he here he comes uh, comes up and um, you know grabs that fourth place finish. But you know you got to take your to uh, you know, to Tyler Reddick, you know, and the, you know, the job that he did, you know, like you said, you know, racing for Danny Hamlin's team, you know, and, um, uh-huh. you know, grabbing that, uh, grabbing that big win was, uh, you know, was huge. Yeah, and having Kurt Busch in the booth, he was, he kind of got emotional. His voice cracked a couple of times when he was talking about uh, seeing the number 45 car, uh, his previous car, uh, seeing that car go across the finish line. It was an emotional experience for him. Oh, yeah, it had to have been, you know, you know, especially, you know, Kyle never, Kyle, Kurt never Kurt. really had a, you know, yeah, Kurt never really had a, um, uh, like they say, a, 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 a farewell uh, 
farewell tour, you know, yeah, like everybody else did, you know, he just, you know, he got hurt, you know, got the concussion, you know what, and um, basically, you know, that was it, you know, never, never came back, you know, so, you know, he never really got to say, you know, I don't know probably if it's a proper goodbye or to his fans or what, but, you know, his career just ended just that quick, you know, and then to see, you know, Tyler Reddick take over that, um, mm-hmm. you know, to take that over. Yeah. He said his car was in good hands, <laughs> and I think that's true. And then Corey LaJoy, he ended up with an 11th place finish. He's been having a uh, banner season as well. Oh, yeah, he has. He's been, uh, yeah, finishing, yeah, with that 11th place finish. Yeah, he has been having a good, um, uh, I was been having a good season. Same thing with Todd Gillen, you know, to, you know, to get that, you know, that 10th place finish, you know, was, was huge for, for him, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, but I, Gosh, that that race, those last few cautions where I was like, gosh, this is this is thing ever going to end. <laughs> no, uh, those drivers that had uh, problems uh, on Sunday include Ty Dillon and Jimmy Johnson. Both of them were out uh, on the very first lap. Uh, Jimmy Johnson didn't meet the DVP requirement, and Ty Dillon's car was destroyed in an accident. Uh, Bubba Wallace. Uh, he was out on lap 10 because of an accident. He was pretty hard on himself in his uh, interview. Connor Daly had that transmission issue. Uh, Brad Keselowski ended up with a drive shaft issue, taking him out on uh, lap 56. A.J. Allmendinger uh, involved in an accident, taking him out lap 60, uh, 15 laps short of the race end. Austin Dillon on lap 62 due to an accident, and Ryan Priest. Oh, he was he was hot <laughs> after that race. Uh, Ryan Priest was caught up in an accident, taking him out of the race on lap 68. Christopher Bell also caught up in an accident, taking him out on lap 73, two laps short of the race end. Um, so a lot of bumping and banging. Oh yes, there was, and there was also some bad blood coming into the pits yeah. too with uh, with um, Daniel. Well, with Daniel, Daniel. Suarez and uh, well, Daniel Suarez and um, Ross Chastain got into it, but then also uh, uh, somebody came around. I was reading about it today, <clears throat> and they were hell bent. I think it was was a Suarez. Well, yeah, Suarez, with Daniel Suarez, you know. He hit yeah. Alex Bowman and Ross Chastain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, but he was after Bowman. Yeah, he was after Bowman. But he was looking for the one, too. And then him and Ross uh, kind of talked as well. Uh, somebody put the um, in-car audio uh, saying that he was asking, where's the number 48 and where's the one? So he was looking for both of them. Yeah, so, I mean, they'll be, uh, I'm sure they'll be. Uh, uh, we'll hear about it tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll hear about the fines tomorrow, just like the one that uh, the one that uh, Danny Hamlin got. Yeah. Okay, let's make sure we get the points report in before we run out of time, Sal. Okay, then the points are. 
I just had them oh, here. They are right here. Driver points. Oh shoot! Why did I take you to owner points? Here we go. Driver points. Ross Chastain is leading the points. Um, second is Kyle Busch, who has or, who has a win. He's got his win over at um, Auto Club Speedway. Uh, third is uh, Joey Logano, who also has a win. Fourth is uh, Kevin Harvick. Fifth is Christopher Bell. Sixth is Ryan Blaney. Seventh is Austin Cedric. And rounding up the top eight is Martin Truex Jr. And then from there, then we go down to ninth, which is Brad Keselowski. Uh, Tyler Reddick in tenth. Danny Hamlin in eleventh. Twelfth is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who has the Daytona 500 win. Thirteenth is Chris Chris uh, Chris Boucher. 14th is Daniel Suarez, 15th is Corey LaHoy, and 16th is Alex Bowman. And I'm sure once the um, once the uh, appeals are all finished up, you know, then you know we'll see if 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 any of the Hendricks cars win the appeals. If not, you got three Hendricks drivers that still have the other three that still have wins. So basically. You'll see that the last three, which should be Suarez, La Jolla, and Bowman, are all are all out because of the the wins that the other three uh, Hendrick drivers have. I think they have. I think the other three have wins. Yeah, I'm looking here. Um, the three drivers. Yeah, well, well, we know William Byron has two. Yeah, William Byron definitely has two. Kyle Larson does not have a win. Nope. And, okay, then uh, um, Alex Bowman. I think Alex Bowman does either. No, he has no wins. And then Chase Elliott is uh, he's out right <clears throat> now. Yeah, he's out. So you know what's going to so happen. Really so basically, you only got one. Yeah. Is William Byron. So yeah, it's it's again it's going to be interesting. Uh, those appeals are going to be heard on Wednesday, so look for news. Uh, I know they say ten o'clock is the start time, uh, but you don't know how long they're going to be in there talking and working this out. But uh, yeah, watch for the news to come out on that uh, this Wednesday, and then uh, another appeal is going to be heard on April the sixth. So. Um, uh, again, you might have to wait a day or so. Usually we hear about the appeals uh, earlier in the week, but they had to schedule it around everybody's schedules. And so uh, Thursday is when we'll hear about the other appeal. So uh, definitely um, a lot going on this week in the NASCAR world. Yeah, and actually I think that's the appeal that Joe gives us, trying to tell Danny Hamlin just let it go. You know, but yeah. it doesn't sound like you know, it, it doesn't, definitely it doesn't is. Like gonna let it go. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I I I really am going to be uh, anxious to hear what the result is. Uh, personally, I don't. I think that both of those appeals should be upheld. Uh, but we'll see what uh, the appeals board thinks uh, after they give their arguments in both of these cases. Yeah, I I I would think they're. I don't think they're going to get overturned, especially Danny. I mean, he was—he said it right over the radio. So, um, <laughs> you know, come on, you know, you really think after you say something like that over the radio, that they're going to say, "Oh yeah, we're going to go ahead and give you a," you know, uh, we're going to go ahead and let it go. 
Yeah. It's yeah. not just, yeah. sorry, bro, it's not going to happen. Okay. Well, uh, are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend, Sal? Are you going uh, out there to Irwindale? Yeah, I'll be at Irwindale for the, um, for the, uh, um, Arca for the West. Arca, Arca, Arca West Series race this weekend. So looking we'll forward to that. And, we'll I'll yeah, be watching on I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be taking a lot and, and putting them up and seeing how everything goes with the with the uh, new addition to uh, High Point Racing. Um, uh, Jake Bowman, Tim Thomason made the announcement last Saturday. Well, the Saturday oh. before that Jake Bowman was going to be taking over the uh, the second car for High Point Racing. So Trevor Huddleston will have a teammate the rest of the season. Awesome news. Okay. Now, is Jake yeah. any relation to Alex? <laughs> no, not. I know. This is, I know, it's Baldwin. B-O-L-N-A-N. Oh, that's right. We talked about it last week. You asked me last week. Yeah, we did. I'm sorry. Well, we'll look forward to watching him race out at Irwindale Speedway this weekend, as well as Trevor Huddleston. And we'll see... Uh, what happens with this race uh, in the Arca West. It's going to be fun. <clears throat> yes, it will be. Sal, thanks for being here, and uh, we will look forward to uh, talking to you again next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time here on Banff Racing Radio. All right, thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Good night. Okay. Take care now. All right, it is uh, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, and that means it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and they're all here. I will start with uh, Mike. Welcome to the show, Mike. hey Good evening. Glad to hear everybody's here tonight. Yes, indeed. We also have Andy Lasky on board. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, good to be back. It's always good to have you here. And uh, our Thursday night co-host, Jay Huseman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. As uh, Mike said, it's good that we're all here. I know uh, Mike and I, we had some weather come through and some tornadoes come through Mississippi. I'm glad to hear Mike's okay. There were some that weren't so fortunate. And I appreciate, I want to say, friend uh, Quentin, as we know from Speedwear Anyway Productions in Minnesota, always calling and checking, but... Uh, keep those. Uh, there were some loss there, so we want to keep I'm them sorry. in our prayers. But thank you, Quentin, for checking on us. Yes, that's uh, very thoughtful. Um, and uh, I, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, those folks impacted by the tornadoes, but also the situation out in Nashville. We uh, have heavy hearts tonight for those folks as well, uh, and uh, it's it's very sad. But um, we'll go ahead and move on uh, with our NASCAR hot topics. Uh, just know that our thoughts and prayers are there. Okay, Mike, I'm going to let you start tonight with our first hot topic. Well, I don't even know how to how to kind of tee this one up, but just kind of talking about the race that we saw yesterday with regard to outstanding strategy and uh, skill race up until about the last five laps or so, and then once again, it kind of fell off of the rails and turned into 
what a lot of people, Jeff Gluck included, are calling an embarrassment. Okay. Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, it, it, uh, a pretty disappointing finish to the, to the race. I thought that overall yesterday was, was a fantastic race, a fantastic broadcast, um, you know, and a really good product. You know, and we can get into some of the other aspects of the race at a later time, you know, but ultimately yesterday was fantastic, of course, until the end when we saw multiple attempts at a, at a green-white checker finish. And as we've come to see, you know, in the last couple, three years, it just turns to a complete mess at the end of these races. And, and that really is the whole field, you know, and, and it's, I'm not sure what it's going to take to to fix that. You know, but for whatever reason, you know, these guys have just gotten so aggressive. And I think part of the problem, um, I think part of the problem is that, um, you know, if if one guy's being aggressive, everybody else has to be aggressive or they're going to get run over. So I think the whole field is, is guilty of this. And what I what I find interesting is that everyone likes to point fingers at everybody else and they like to call out guys like, like Chastain and, and they'll point fingers at Briscoe and Logano and some others. Yes, they're aggressive and they've made some boneheaded mistakes, but so hasn't the rest of the field, you know? So it's like everyone says there needs to be respect and everyone says that, you know, everyone else drives like idiots. Well, the fact is they all drive like idiots. And I think that this is a product of if they're not aggressive, they're going to get run over. So they're forced into doing it. Right. So, I'm not really sure what it's going to take, but there is a significant lack of respect in in the these restarts. And this is kind of across the board, you know, especially with Xfinity and Truck Series at road courses. I don't I don't really know what the fix is. Maybe single file restarts. I'm not really sure, but there's there's it's unfortunate that this happened because the race really was really good, and I felt like it got tainted a bit because of the bedlam that ensued at the race's end. Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, I have to disagree a little bit. Uh, I understand where people are looking at it like that. Uh, I, well, I don't know. What did we end up with? Four restarts, I think. I know Kurt Busch uh, wasn't aware that we had gone from the three rule of three tries for uh, overtime to uh, unlimited. Um, so he was a little shocked at that. But there was also even, and I think Chase Elliott mentioned it as part of the uh, broadcast from a remote position, at least up front, you had uh, Tyler Reddick and Kyle Busch showed each other respect. I'm not saying they didn't bump and rump fenders, but there was respect shown. When Tyler Reddick put his car down low to make those passes, he did so cleanly. Uh, An Xfinity race, A.J. Allmendinger and William Byron raced the last multiple laps. I don't know how many it was. Again, they raced around each other. I know AJ hit, um, I want to say it was Sheldon Creed, if I'm not mistaken. And he acknowledged that. He, you know, That was one of those where he said he felt like he had his nose under him. Sheldon didn't come down. Didn't like the fact that he went off his bumper. But the uh, up front anyway, there appeared to be some respect shown. And Chase Elliott mentioned it. Mid-pack on back, the desperation moves, maybe not so much. And there's several factors that come in. And I think a couple of the outside racers that had come in for this weekend talked about it is the fact that the car can take that kind of damage, and the drivers now know it. 
Um, so that's part of it. But to me, it, it's got, and I think back, uh, you know, as Andy mentioned, um, that it's every driver. It's not. I think back to, I know, Sharon, it's one of your favorites, Martin Truex. Him and Joey Logano at Martinsville. Martin raced him hard for many, 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 many laps and got by him clean. Joey didn't do the same thing back. Martin had another shot at it, didn't take it. And I think back as far as Mark Martin. There are drivers that will show that respect, um, whether they get shown it or not. And and that's something that has just got to change within each driver. The steering wheel and the gas pedal and the brake pedal – all in their control. Yeah, I've been uh, really looking at a lot of comments on this today, as well as going back and looking at my own words and some of the articles that I've written in FanBracing.com. Um, I have never been a fan of the wreck-and-go uh, strategy for racing. Um, but you're right, Jay, at the front of the pack, there was uh, clean racing going on, and they did put on a, a decent show. Now, when those drivers were in the back of the pack, though, um, <clears throat> it was a little bit different story. And I think there are several factors that play into it. Um, that turn one at Coda is is a really tight turn, and everybody just dives into that corner, and they hope for the best. And, and you saw some of the guests uh, drivers talking about this, it was like uh, you had to be aggressive or you were going to get run over, like Andy said. Uh, and, and that's what it has evolved to uh, at the back of the pack. That part of the race I'm, I'm not as happy with because I think those drivers are better than that. Uh, one solution Andy already mentioned and that's maybe we need to go back to single-file restarts. But where's Mike Helton when you need him? I remember there was a day when there was the red truck, <laughs> and a lot of these drivers would be called to the red truck after the race because of uh, their antics on the track. So I think that a lot of these drivers have become so comfortable with these cars uh, to be more um I don't know what color is the truck now. Whatever the color of the truck now, they need to be called to the hauler and, and spoken to about respecting one another. Kyle Bush is right. There used to be respect shown between the drivers. Now, I'm not going to say that they didn't have incidents on the track because they did, and, and they got angry with one another. It's, it is a part of racing, and it is something that goes way back. But I do think that there needs to be some drivers – pulled aside and spoken to. Uh, and, and you know, it, it really frustrates me a little bit, uh, and I think Andy references too. It, one driver will call out another driver, and then they'll turn around and do the same thing. So, you know, the drivers that are calling out the other drivers for doing it are doing it too. So I, I, it frustrates me that it's not right for anybody else to do it, but it's okay when you do it on the track and and uh, it's just and i know these cars are sturdier they're designed to take more beating and banging um maybe that's what we've evolved to maybe it is going to be the way that racing is i don't know uh but it's going to be interesting i heard a lot of people say it was embarrassing this weekend 
And I, I listened to a lot of the uh, guest drivers this week, and I think I, I know I'm kind of reading between the lines. They were very professional in their comments about the race, but they were all taken back with how aggressive the racing really was. It was very, very aggressive, and um, especially in that turn one and I'm sure some of the other turns on the track. So I, I do think uh, that they could do things a little bit different. The problem is that the only people that can really – change that are the drivers themselves and these drivers have such a drive to win um and denny hamlin put it best they need to be saved from themselves and he was kind of advocating for the the single file restart at the end of the race so that they don't get that dive bombing and and bumping into each other where it's a conglomeration of cars all trying to make their way through uh, just that whole conglomeration, um, everybody buying for the same spot. So I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer. I don't know what the drivers need to do if they if NASCAR needs to intervene here, um, or if the drivers can sort this out themselves. My inclination is to say the drivers are not going to sort this out amongst themselves. I think NASCAR's kind of left it up to them to sort it out amongst themselves, and we're seeing uh, a lot of frustration from the drivers. I think it might be time for NASCAR to intervene, and I think they start with the hauler conversations with the drivers, and if they have to give them the threat of the single-file restart, um, they do need to save the drivers from themselves. I think Denny Hamlin is right about that. Um, Mike, your thoughts? Well, there's, it's like there was two separate races yesterday. Uh, the first, I don't know, what, 60 of 68 laps or whatever it was, was some of the best racing I've ever seen. It was an outstanding representation of our sport. The, the fuel strategy, the pit strategy, and the on-track competition, especially between Tyler Reddick and William Byron, was absolutely just astonishingly good. It was phenomenal. And, oh, by the way, it really showcased the skill and talent of the drivers that we have in the NASCAR Cup Series because they beat the pants off those road course ringers. The way the race strung out, yeah, these Jordan Taylor and, and Jensen Button and whatnot, they might not have been accustomed to the aggression, but as the race kind of stretched out and there was some distance between the cars, you would think that their skill level in road course racing, especially Jordan Taylor in sports cars, which are somewhat similar to a Cup Series car in terms of handling, you would think some clean racetrack would have allowed them to make up time, but they didn't. They were, they were holding their own, but they weren't really making time against our NASCAR Cup Series regulars, and it shows you just how skilled our Cup Series drivers are at road course racing, which is why the last part of the race was so infuriating and embarrassing and just face palm inducing because I know that our drivers are better than that. Jensen Button said it. We can do better than that. And we have to because it was it went from one of the best races that we've had in a long, long time to just another embarrassment. And it's disappointing to see. It takes a lot of skill to be as good as a NASCAR Cup Series driver is, but it takes absolutely zero skill. None. None whatsoever to go full send in a turn one, don't lift and just hit everybody else. You put me 15th restarting in that, and I can do it. I can do it just as well as the NASCAR Cup Series driver did yesterday in the race of just send it in a turn one, 
don't lift and just let the kind of crowd turn you and you hit whoever is around you. That is not skill. That is not racing. That is not talent. And it's not a good showcase for what our sport has to offer. What's the solution? I don't know that single file restarts will help because all you have, all you're going to do is you're going to stretch out the dive bomb a little bit longer. It might make it a little bit better, but they're, they're restarting too wide and they're six to eight wide by the time they get to turn one. So if they're single wide, maybe they're four or five wide by the time they get to turn one. I don't know that the single file restart would help. And then as far as a Mike Helton poke in the chest, well, who do you poke? Look at the, one of the, the, the stack ups that we had there. Martin Truex got turned by Daniel Suarez, but Daniel Suarez got shoved into Truex by Alex Bowman. But Alex Bowman got shoved okay. into um, yep. to, uh, Daniel Suarez by Ross Chastain. But Ross Chastain got shoved into Alex Bowman by Chase Briscoe, and it went back and forth all the way, probably back all the way to the end of the, of the line there. So who do you bring into the hall and poke their chest there? Do you poke Briscoe because he was the last guy in line? But he's not the one who turned somebody because Suarez is the one who turned Truex, so do you go poke Suarez in the chest? Well, what was Suarez supposed to do? He couldn't lift because he's getting put. So you see what I say about policing this isn't going to be an easy solution here. I agree with Denny Hamlin. I don't think the drivers are going to be able to do it. But as far as the solution goes, it's going to be a tough nut to crack. I almost missed the, the days of the metal fenders that would cut tires down because I think drivers were forced to not maybe not respect each other, but at least respect the cars to the point where they knew that they could ruin their own day just as quickly and easily as they could ruin somebody else's. And maybe that's what we need to go back to. Okay. Andy, your follow-up? Mike, I was laughing, by the way, because you sounded exactly like me. You were taking words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Okay, Andy. Yeah, you know, I, and Mike and I were both pretty frustrated at the end of this race. In fact, we both said before the caution came out at the end that we wanted this race to go green because of the the natural strategy that was playing out. A lot of teams were short on fuel. Some could make it. Some couldn't. And, and to me, that was riveting because it was natural strategy playing out from the course of, of the entire race. And it really, I thought was compelling to see how the race was going to end. And then the caution came out and we both knew, Oh geez, here we go. Because unfortunately these road course races, specifically Coda and, and the Indianapolis road course have just turned into complete dumpster fires on restarts, you know, and, and they're going in there six and seven wide. And you look at the way, you know, how wide the entrance to, to that first turn is, yeah, there's plenty of room there, but the problem is that when you go six and seven wide like that, there just isn't enough room as you exit that corner, and of course cars are going to get, you know, into each other and spin, so that was frustrating. I, I didn't like seeing that at all. No one, I think, likes to see that unless you're a fan of bumper cars, and if you are, then go to your local state fair in August and see a demolition derby, I guess, but... um it was just really frustrating because I, I felt like, like to Mike's point and like what others have said here, it took away from what was really a great day yesterday. And, and you know, we're, we're, you know, Mike and I are known to be a bit critical of broadcast and, and racing products at times. But yesterday, I can't say enough good things about the broadcast and the racing product. In fact, the entire weekend was fantastic up until those last, you know, couple, three restarts yesterday. And um, Sharon, I think you bring up a good point. You know, maybe maybe Cup Series leadership, you know, people like Mike Helton or somebody in that position needs to, to give a good 
stern talking to to some of these guys, you know, and, and settle them down a bit. Maybe maybe that would help. I'm not sure, but you know, something something's got to give. And you know, maybe some of the guys that consistently dish it out need to be dealt a few, you know, low blows, and and maybe they'll learn. You know, I'll I'll, I'll talk about my own guy for a minute. Briscoe has been known. To, to make some stupid moves. He's done a couple of them over the last couple of years, but LaJoy pile drove him late in the race and he went from a, a top 10 to, to a 15th place finish. That's, you know, a role reversal of sorts. And, and maybe if that happens enough times to some of these guys, maybe they'll get the hint that maybe I need to race, you know, the other guys clean. If I'm going to, if I'm going to get, you know, if I'm going to get that kind of respect in return and, you know, the same for Chastain. I mean, Chastain's known as a bulldozer for a reason, you know, when it comes to these restarts. And maybe if he gets, you know, shoved in the fence and wrecked a few times, maybe he'll get the hint. And I think that goes for several of these guys in the, in the series, you know. Maybe what goes around needs to come around, you know, until it finally sinks in that maybe I can't keep doing this. Jay. Well, if you're really looking for a complete fix action, single file restarts isn't going to fix it. All that's going to do is take a little bit longer time for it to happen. Because, again, once you cross the start-finish line, get the green flag, it's game on. So they're going to fan out anyway. You just don't have the side-by-side initial start. But it's going to happen regardless. It's in the driver's hands. The only way you change that, being that we had Gunther Steiner there um, in the broadcast booth, they talked about it. Formula One has the steward. I believe we've talked about that on this show. We don't want to see it come to that. You can't touch. I mean, period. You're putting it in the hands of somebody sitting somewhere watching on a screen or watching a particular part of the course as to whether or not that was too aggressive. That's, not, that's why I say it's got to be in the driver's hands, and we've seen some drivers do so. I think it has to be handled within the garage because I certainly don't want to see it and we're not just talking about road course. You've got to talk then about super speedway racing. I know in Formula One, the blocking is an issue. You've got to maintain your lane. You've got one chance to make a move. Once you switch lanes, you have to stay there. Do we want to see that? I don't think so. Bump drafting. Now you can't bump. Again, it happens. You bump them in the wrong way. They go around. It happens. These guys got to know how to handle it. They're the ones that got to take care of it. Yeah, these are the premier drivers in NASCAR. These are the elite uh, and the, what sh- should be professional race car drivers. Uh, and it does kind of make you feel bad when you see all these cars kind of piled up in a in a blob uh, in the turn one corner. Uh, it doesn't feel like an elite premier series when that happens. And and I got to think that these guests drivers were kind of thinking the same thing. Like you said, uh, was it Kimi or Jensen Button that said, we can do better than this? And and I I agree with that. They can do better than that because we see them racing clean for most of the race. Like you said, it was an outstanding race. Uh, It was a lot of fun to watch that race up until it took 45 minutes to an hour to finish the race with the uh, overtimes. Uh, by the time you do the caution and get everybody going again and the commercial break and all of that in there, um, it gets really cumbersome, and it's not fun to watch anymore. So that racing product needs to change, uh, and the only way it can change is if the drivers 
consciously make a decision to change it. And they have such a competitive attitude about racing, and they're so comfortable in these cars uh, that they're willing to do just about anything. And we've heard him say it, I had to do it to win. Um, <laughs> and and somehow NASCAR is shifting the culture. This is something that I, I wish we could shift the culture. I don't know if the culture needs to be shifted um, by us, kind, the kind of race fans that we are, or if the culture needs to be shifted on the track. I'm leaning toward shifting it a little bit on the track. You can still be competitive. We're not telling you not to be competitive. We're not telling the drivers don't be competitive. We're saying do it with some respect for one another and don't pile drive. Do it for some respect for yourself as a premier elite professional race car driver. Um, you, you're better than all of that. And it's not a good look for this sport. Uh, but Denny Hamlin, I have to agree. I don't agree with him very often, but on this I agree with him. Um, these drivers need to be saved from themselves when it comes to this. They really do. Um, and uh, we'll see how NASCAR goes forward. Um, but the the racing was good at COTA for, for most of that race, and I enjoyed it uh, up until they did those restarts. Um the thing that concerned me, and I wanted to bring this up, I was reading an article today about the uh, street race in Chicago. They have seven 90-degree turns in that track, and that concerns me as far as how these drivers are going to handle that on a street course in Chicago. I'm hoping they're going to be a little more cautious due to the fact that they've never raced uh, the street course at Chicago. Uh, but who knows? Uh, they are comfortable with these cars. I think we're looking for a mess at Chicago uh, with this street race with seven 90-degree turns and how these drivers are driving right now. Um, we might see a good race like we did at Coda for most of the race, but I think it's going to be a mess at the end. Mike? Yeah, I I really am concerned about the Chicago races. Well, I had concerns about it prior to Coda, but with Coda being basically a continuation of some of the mess that we saw last year at the road course races, Indianapolis in particular, but also uh, Coda again last year, Watkins Glen, um, Road America, and a few others. It, the, the standard road course racing now, especially at the end of the races, I'm not going to try and make turn one. I'm just going to send it and I'm going to run into somebody when I get there. And that's got to change. Um, I don't know that there's a single one solution. I, I think we all kind of agree the drivers aren't going to make that change, at least not on their own, not without some sort of serious motivation from the sanctioning body to do it. And by that, I do mean penalties. But I, I, I'm with Jay where I don't want to see us go full Formula One where we've got a bunch of guys in a room watching TV saying – Oh, this guy did he he intentionally made contact here, so we're going to hold him for five seconds, and that that just makes a mess in and of it's, it's a different kind of mess, but it's just as not fun to watch as the mess that we had yesterday. So I don't know. Maybe one one thing that could potentially do change the start line, the restart line to sometime closer to that first turn, wherever that may be at the given racetrack. So the drivers, the drivers have less time to accelerate and less time to break out of the double file formation that they're in coming to the restart. 
I don't know, but something's got to give here. Uh, we went from putting on one of the best shows that we could as a sport yesterday to really hoping that somebody had something come up and they missed the end of the race because if they if they left right before Brad Keselowski broke down and brought out that last caution, they had a much different impression of the race than they did if they stayed all the way till the finish. I will say the only saving grace out of that whole mess is Tyler Reddick didn't get taken out. It would have been an absolute travesty for the lights out by far best car of the race to get taken out in a mess like that because we saw it several times last year. And fortunately, at least we didn't see that yesterday where the dominant car uh, didn't get taken out in the turn one mess that we had in all the the various restarts. So at least we got that going for us, but something's got to give here. Okay, we'll let that be the last word. Okay, Andy, you're up for our next hot topic. And we're getting down to the 1030 mark there. Uh, once again, Mike kind of oh, sends yes, us off are. into that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes, we're at that time of the night. I make an announcement for all of our first-time listeners. Uh, it, we go off the air at exactly 1030 p.m., Eastern time tonight, uh, but we're going to continue our conversation, and that part of the conversation will be recorded even though we are off the air, and it will be available as part of our broadcast, uh, our podcast, and what I do is when we're done here, I go out on Twitter and Facebook and let you know that the podcast is available, and at that point, you should be able to go to the two-hour mark and hear the rest of that conversation, so just a heads up. So nobody's caught off guard uh, and not knowing what to do next. So uh, uh, we hope that helps you. And uh, with that, Andy, I'm ready for that next hot topic. All right. Uh, Daniel Torres uh, runs into both the 48 of Bowman and his teammate Ross Chastain on the cooldown lap yesterday. The number one of Ross Chastain? Yes. Okay. Uh, Mike, your thoughts? Uh, this this has got to be a penalty, right? I mean, if you look at the in-car video, uh, especially the, the there was a digested version that has been shared around where it's uh, Suarez is in-car with the radio the whole time. At the, after the end of the race, Suarez says, where's the 48 and the 1? And then he goes the entire cool-down lap looking for them, finally finds the both of them at the entrance to pit road. He hits his teammate, Ross Chastain, in the one, knocks him out of the way at pit road entry, and then comes into pit road and hits the 48 of Alex Bowman. And there's a NASCAR official maybe one car width away from the 48 when, when Suarez makes contact. If he's that far away, it's dangerously close. So this, should have been, this would have been a penalty last year, I think. But based on the changes that NASCAR made to the rules and their enforcement criteria for intentional contact, especially on pit road, I would say this has got to be a penalty, potentially even a suspension. We probably won't know until tomorrow or Wednesday, but there's got to be something that happens here. Yeah. Will the other Jay Huseman please stand up? Jay, it's your turn. <laughs> well, I I don't know if I see a suspension coming. But Mike is right. It's got to be a penalty. Uh, and this, NASCAR has always frowned upon the odd pit road activity, especially while still in the cars. And if you watch it, I know Mike used the word knock Chastain out of the way. He gave him a bump. Chastain went by him, bumped Bowman twice. Neither one of them, I would say, is real hard. It's tough to tell from that in-car video. But as I put in the group chat there of, 
you don't know, Bowman might have his hands off the steering wheel, taking his gloves off or something, because they're just cruising down. And the fact that, uh, as he said, I didn't, I didn't know that he uh, had called out on his radio um, asking for, for the location of these guys, but he clearly went hunting um, during that cool-down lap um, with intent. And so, yeah, I, I don't see how this is not a penalty of some sort. I, I'd be a little surprised if it were a suspension, but that's one of those where NASCAR is going to have to ramp it up and say, hey, we told you not to do this. Don't do it. Yeah, this is an example, though, um, of what we were talking about in the previous hot topic, drivers bulldozing their way through uh, a bunch of cars. Daniel Suarez was running up in the top uh, five, I guess, uh, when all of this happened, and he ended up with, uh, he was back in the 20s uh, with his finish uh, because he got bumped and knocked around in that turn one, and he ended up with not the finish that he really deserved in that race. I can understand his frustration, uh, but here's an example of two wrongs don't make it right. He's gonna, he, what he did was also wrong, and now he's going to be the one penalized um, most likely, uh, for doing what he did on pit road. Jay's right. Those bumps were not very hard, but, uh, you don't know what is going on inside the car. Uh, somebody mentioned there was a NASCAR official nearby. Uh, you don't know if a light bump could cause them to, to, depending on what they're doing in the car, if they're taking off their gloves and they get a light bump like that, they could lose control of the car and accidentally hit that official so it's it's not a good idea even if it's a light bump <laughs> i don't think it should be acceptable uh and uh, i know he was trying to send a message to those drivers but he should handle it the way he did once he got out of the car and that is to have a conversation uh directly i know there was video footage of him having a conversation with uh, chastain of course chastain's comments are always um you know, I got to do it because that's what is everybody's doing, and if I don't, I'm out of the race. So, um, and and I'm not condoning it by any means, but um, uh, he is one of the drivers that's known to just bulldoze his way through. Um, Kyle Larson is one of those drivers who bulldozes his way through and causes problems for the other drivers. Um I do think that uh, these are kind of related topics in a lot of ways. I do think that he he will be get some kind of a penalty uh, just because of what he said on the radio where he's hunting them down and looking for them, and then the confrontation on the track. The confrontation on the track on pit road after they got out of the car, I have no problem with that. It's what he did when he was in the car, and it might have been a light bump this time, but if you don't do something, it could be a harder bump next time. Uh, so I, I think that NASCAR, again, is put, put into a box here where they have to react to it. Andy? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> spot on, Chair, and really that's, that's exactly my thoughts, too, is, you know, I think that it needs to be known that it's not okay to to hit another competitor's car, either under caution or a cool-down lap, you know, to points we've made earlier, you know, drivers aren't really 
prepared for that. Um, they're, they're possibly loosening belts. Uh, who knows? But no one's really prepared to be hit by another car unless it's accidental. And and it's clear that you know this was intentional contact due to Soros's frustration, which I can certainly understand. He got wiped out at the end of a race and was in line for a good finish. So I totally get the frustration. But to your point, Sharon, you know, having a having a discussion or some words about it with his teammate afterwards or even Bowman or whoever, that's the right way to go about it. And that's precisely what he did. The wrong way to go about it is to hit, you know, two competitors' cars on the cooldown lap. So I would agree with what Jay said, probably not worthy of a suspension, but I think that some kind of a point needs to be made by NASCAR to, you know, to to get the message sent where this kind of behavior um, really shouldn't be tolerated, you know, and uh, really shouldn't be seen moving forward. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, one, one thing, and I'm trying to remember specifically there with Daniel Suarez is, uh, a lot of times, too, though, after you get out and get to see a replay, we are obviously have already seen it. You might be mad at the guy behind you. He's mad at the guy behind him. He's mad at the guy back. You know, it might have started five rows or five lanes back um, mm-hmm. where it actually started. You get the accordion effect. Uh, I know there was one of them that, that when they interviewed him said, yeah, I was mad at this guy, you know, and it was like, well, somebody hit him. Well, look back a little further. Somebody hit him. So you might not even be mad at the right individual. Um, so there, you got to look at that as well, which is why, again, you want to try and avoid that initial uh, seeing red reaction because it might not even be directed at the right person. And I know I said I don't know that it will deserve a suspension, but somebody said two wrongs don't make a right. You know, you got to handle it in the right way. Um, you can't just out of frustration park your car wherever you want it, say, on the start-finish line. So. <laughs> Okay, Mike. I should have cut ahead of Jay again because he said pretty much everything that I was planning on saying. Uh, Suarez's <laughs> reaction, he was he was he was justified to be upset. Obviously, he got taken out through things more or less not in his control, but he acted on at best incomplete information, if not entirely incorrect information. Yes, it was the 48 who made direct contact with the 99, and it was the one who made contact with the 48. But the issues went further back from there. And when you have drivers reacting to information like that, where they can only see the car that's in their mirror, and maybe the spotter gives them one or two other numbers, maybe. And that's all they've got to go on, and that may or may not be accurate anyway. If they're going to go make decisions where they're going to go hit another car or do whatever it is they feel like they need to do, that's probably not the best thing to do, especially when it involves, here we go again, using your race car as a weapon. We've said it many times on the show, that should never be an acceptable solution. I agree. When they got out of the cars, if, if the, the contact had never happened, this is a non-issue. It's a, it's a discussion point. All that you know, the competition meeting at Trackhouse is going to be rough on Monday, and that's about the end of the discussion there. But because there was intentional contact on and around pit road, on and around officials, we're talking about most likely a, a penalty and maybe a significant one. I agree. I don't think a suspension is necessarily coming for Daniel Suarez, but based on the recent changes in the offseason to the rules, a suspension for one or more races is on the table for incidents like this that involve intentional contact on pit road. So it is entirely within NASCAR's purview to suspend Daniel Suarez if they choose to. 
I don't know that it meets that threshold yet. It's not as egregious as Bubba Wallace right rearing Kyle Larson at Las Vegas last year, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of what Ty Gibbs did. I think it was, what was it, Martinsville last year, where he intentionally made contact with another car on pit road who he felt had wronged him. So there's some, some middle ground there where NASCAR definitely needs to act on this situation and send the message not just to Daniel Suarez but to the rest of this field of, hey, we told you in the offseason that this was not acceptable. You clearly didn't get the message, so here's the message again. This is not acceptable, and Daniel Suarez is going to be the, the conduit for that message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was Kevin Harvick and when he was um, uh, on air, or maybe it was an interview, I'm not sure, but he was talking about exactly that. He said he uh, actually went and had words with a driver after a race at Coda, and then he went back and watched the uh, race, and he realized it wasn't even that guy's fault. <laughs> and he had to go back and apologize to that guy uh, and and talk with the other guy that he thought was more responsible. But it's hard to figure out. Just like we were saying, it's a slippery slope for NASCAR to, to uh, uh, navigate and decide who started it all. Uh, it's a slippery slope for the drivers as well. Who do you go to? Uh, you know, because it might go back several drivers um, before you get to the driver that actually uh, started the whole thing. So uh, Harvick definitely recognized that and recognized that he had talked to the wrong person and was highly upset with that person uh, before realizing it wasn't even that person's fault. And he made the apology to him. So uh, kudos to him for acknowledging that, number one. But I think that that happens more often than not. And I, I do think that drivers need to be aware of that when they start getting fumed up in the car about, uh, you know, being taken out of a, a good finishing position and ending up with a poor finishing position. Again, we understand Suarez's anger and frustration and the reason why he was upset. We're, we're just not condoning the way he handled it on the racetrack. Uh, what he did when he got out of the car was fine, as far as I'm concerned. It's what he did on the racetrack that, that NASCAR needs to address. And Andy, you get the last word there. Yeah, and just, you know, really to reiterate what I've already said, I just think that, you know, some kind of a point needs to be made, you know, via the whatever penalty it is that that kind of action can't be condoned moving forward. So, um, you know, again, not not really sure that a suspension is necessary, but probably some kind of a point penalty or, or something to get the point across so that, you know, we don't see that again from Daniel. Okay. Jay, that brings us to you for our next hot topic. Well, mine's going to kind of cover parts of two or three uh, that we have on the board here, but from I heard uh, Jeff Gluck on the radio this morning on the morning drive on Sirius XM that the this is the third year of the race at Circuit of America and that they're looking at whether or not they're going to renew or extend it one more year. Um, we've talked about the racing that it's produced. I know Mike had some things about whether or not the road course aces or ringers coming in but it does draw them in. Um, so whether or not this race needs to continue, I guess, basically is what the topic for me would be. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. Well, it depends on what race we're talking about. The first 60-ish laps yesterday, yeah, absolutely. Dude, let's do it every week. That was great. Let's, let, uh, let's more of that. If we're talking about the last 
10 laps in overtime, um, I'm, 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 I'm not down for that. We can, we can pass. Um, Jay is right, though. The Circuit of the Americas being the track that it is, an FIA track, where a lot of drivers from a lot of different disciplines, IMSA and Formula One, both run there. So it's a natural fit for guys like Jordan Taylor, Jensen Button, et cetera, to come over and join NASCAR and participate at a track that they're already familiar with. So Circuit of the Americas is a great fit for the schedule. I think it has the potential of producing great racing, and we saw that yesterday. Um, but based on some of the stuff that we've said on other topics this evening, there are issues that need to be addressed specifically with how NASCAR races at this track to hopefully prevent some of the mess that we saw at the end of yesterday's race. So if there is going to be a renewal of Circuit of the Americas going forward, and I think there should be, there definitely needs to be some consideration as far as what races there look like in the future. Okay. Andy. Circuit of the Americas 100% belongs in the schedule. I I feel like this weekend produced some of the best racing that we've seen there versus the two previous race weekends, which weren't bad. But the racing was good across the board. Um, specifically, the truck race was decent, but the Xfinity and Cup races I thought were were really really good races. So does the track belong in the schedule? Yes, it does. I hope that the uh, renewal rights. Um, are renewed for for subsequent years. Um, you know, I think that the road courses can put on a really good show if the drivers can get themselves calmed down a bit. So, um, yes, this is a this is a venue that I'd really like to see long term. Yeah, I have to agree. I want to see this racetrack on the schedule um, for the next eon years. <laughs> At least that's the way I feel now. Uh, I like Circuit of the Americas. Uh, I love the racing that it produces. Uh, I think, you know, for the most part, we saw some really, really good racing. And, um, uh, again, if they can get that toned down on the restarts, uh, I think that uh, it, it can continue to be some great racing uh, and a good on-track product for NASCAR. So I would be highly disappointed if they take Circuit of the Americas off the schedule uh, in lieu of something else. Uh, I don't know what this something else might be, but I think uh, Circuit of the Americas needs to stay on the schedule. Jay? Yeah, and I think, Sharon, I think we had kind of talked about this uh, in, our, in our last little bit on Thursday. I had heard on the radio they talked about whether or not the, this Dakota race was becoming one of the crown jewels because it's a track that just everybody wants to win at. Um, you mentioned having drivers coming from other um, forms of racing because of the history of the track. So I do think it needs to stay on the schedule, and I, I really – I. When they first Jeff Gluck first brought it up that it, you know they were de- going to have to decide if they were going to come back to it, I didn't realize that it was already on a on a three year deal that it was coming up on that. But I really don't. I I just don't see it going away. Uh, I know we as fans obviously didn't like necessarily the ending of it or some of the way the restarts goes. We'll have to see if they do anything to try and modify that. But overall, it was a good race what it brings to the sport when you have the crossover. You have Formula One fans watching. You have IMSA fans race uh, watching. The Austin, Texas area is a good market. So um, 
And besides that, it's got to stay on the schedule because Sharon hasn't got to go there in person for a race yet. So we got that going, right? You carry some weight, right, Sharon? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to make it there for a race. Okay. Uh, Mike, follow up. The other reason that Circuit of the Americas needs to stay on the schedule is because I, I can almost guarantee that NASCAR is not going to give up on the Texas market. And there's only one other track in the state of Texas that is capable of holding a NASCAR Cup Series race. And, oh, no, we don't need to add more dates to that place. So let's, let's hang on to Circuit of the Americas. I don't know that I would necessarily go down the road of calling this a crown jewel race, at least not yet. Maybe if it continues, but I don't think any race can really be a crown jewel only three years into its inception. But the, the appeal of it is, is it absolutely it's there. It's definitely a spectacle. That's probably one of the nicest facilities that the NASCAR Cup Series races at. Indianapolis is, is spectacular. Daytona is spectacular. But Circuit of the Americas is really one of the, the best facilities, not just in the NASCAR Cup Series, but in the entire North American continent, if not the world. It is a phenomenal facility. It does put on outstanding racing. The, the last few restarts notwithstanding, the racing that we had yesterday was some of the best Cup Series racing I've seen in a long, long time. Great strategy combined with great on-track racing between William Byron and Tyler Reddick. I think that was just a, a highlight reel. If I could just take somebody who's not a NASCAR Cup Series fan and put them down in front of a race, that would be the kind of racing I would want them to see is what we saw at Circuit of the Americas for most of yesterday afternoon. So it would be a real shame for that track to go away. Obviously, it's going to come down to money and scheduling and timing and, and all that stuff. But hopefully NASCAR and whoever else they need to talk to, the FIA and whoever else is involved, a stakeholder in this decision-making process, they can come to an agreement. We keep Circuit of the Americas on the schedule for the long-term future. Okay, Andy? Yeah, you know, and I think a point Jay made, too, or somebody made, was that, you know, yesterday's race I think was important uh, because of not just the, the facility being an F1 track, but also um, – wait, we're still on the same topic, right? Sorry, I lost track. We're still talking about Coda? Yeah, do we want it back? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I lost my train of thought here. My apologies. But, yeah, we do want it back. I think that it, it's, it's a good facility, and it brought a lot of exposure yesterday um, from the standpoint of – not only is it an F1 track, which probably generates interest, you know, for people watching, you know, because of the venue, but also the people that were in the field. We had two former Formula One champions, an, an you know, a very successful IMSA driver. I think that you probably had a lot of people potentially watching yesterday that don't normally watch NASCAR Cup Series races. And so that exposure alone you know, surrounding this venue and this race, I think, helps NASCAR grow, which is great. So, uh, ultimately, I think if you can continue to bring back, you know, big-name drivers from Formula One or other racing entities to come race venues like Circuit of the Americas or even other road courses, uh, it only helps you from an exposure standpoint. So, yeah, no, it's a great facility. I, I think the racing is great. I think that, you know, Sands, the, the late race cautions yesterday, it would have been an absolutely out-of-the-park race. And, again, once again, you know, 100% deserves to be back. Yep, 
I 100% agree with all of those comments. Uh, it deserves to be back on the circuit. Uh, it's it's probably my favorite race of the whole season, uh, my favorite race weekend of the whole season. And I do think it holds the potential to be a crown jewel race. It's unlike any other track that these guys race at. It, it holds a prestige that no other track holds. Uh, and I, I do think that makes it worthy of being a crown jewel. Um, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a good racing product, as we've all attested to here. Uh, so, yeah, I, it definitely needs to come back. Jay? Yeah, like I said, I, I couldn't even imagine them, them not doing it. Uh, as you mentioned, the facility, the exposure, all of it combined, the drivers that we do get, I know that drew so much in interest as we had three, four, or five of them this weekend. Um, and I know that they didn't necessarily perform as we maybe thought they would, but uh, Cup Series is different. And as Tyler Reddick showed, and he said it was via eye racing, you know, road course is important to the Cup Series now with seven, I believe, on the on the schedule for the year, uh, one being a street course. But, you know, it's, it's not that they're, you're going to come in and whoop up on them anymore like you used to be able to, whether you had no matter what the equipment, we saw that with the number nine, a Hendrick Motorsports, um, Jordan Taylor being in it. So, um, yeah, uh, as far as the crown jewel thing, um, it's one of those because of the track itself. Uh, Mike said you can't be that in three years. Indianapolis, the Brickyard was starting with year one because of the history of the track. And, again, the forms of racing that run on it and being able to participate in it I, I'm not saying it should be or is or should be, but it certainly bears merit because it is just such a such a wonderful facility, as everybody said, that, you know, drivers of any form would be like, I want to win there, race there and win there. You know, that's why Jimmy Johnson even came back for it. Exactly. Uh, speaking of iRacing, by the way, uh, a lot of the drivers uh, in that article I read earlier from the Sun-Times here in Chicago – uh, quite a few of the drivers are already eye racing the Chicago street course. So uh, that's kind of interesting. I thought that was kind of interesting. All right. Um, let's uh, go ahead and do our roundtable. And, Mike, we'll start with you. Sure. It's going to be Mike underscores on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, I should be available. Look forward to talking to you all this Thursday. I'll keep you posted. I am on call for work, so they might call me in. Maybe I'll make room for Tommy one of these days. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Andy? Uh, CB14Fan on Twitter, and uh, good to be on tonight's show like it always is. And much like Mike, it's a work on call, so to be determined on Thursday, but hopeful that I'll be back. All right. And Jay? Uh, you can follow me social media, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. I'm fairly certain I will be here Thursday as I have the whole show, the preview show, as we get ready for another triple header. This time the trucks are alone in Texas, but we got Richmond coming up, which is always another exciting race. Yes, not to mention the Arco West out at Irwindale Speedway as well. So, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about on Thursday night's show starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, Jay and I will be here to go over all the details of the upcoming weekend of racing. Um, and uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including 
our website at fanforacing.com. Um, so we appreciate all of the people who are tuning in, whether it's the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to what we have to say. Uh, and we hope you enjoy it as much listening as we enjoy doing it. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, doing it again this Thursday, as I mentioned earlier. And then Sal and I will be back on Monday night for the recap, the review of the races that are taking place this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, Richmond Raceway, as well as Irwindale Speedway. So a lot going on in the racing world and uh, we'll be here to talk about it. So with that, guys, I think we're ready uh, to call it a night. Oh, one other thing I did want to mention. We had a great interview with Jacob Gomes. Uh, he won his second winter showdown uh, in the SRL Southwest Touring Series out at Kern County Raceway in Bakersfield, and uh, he gave us a great interview. Uh, I really recommend everybody go back and listen to it. He did confirm with us that he will be at the Snowball Derby again this year, so uh, uh, really good news that Jacob Gomes will be back to compete in that series. So with that, I think we are ready for a good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. We'll see you on Thursday. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.